the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. It's wise to invite Jesus into the significant events in your life and the important events in your family and the milestones. Jesus wants to be invited into our lives. He wants to be part of uh, the important events of our lives. He wants to be involved in our families and the significant moments that we share together as family. Many of us would probably agree that as believers and followers of Christ, we often take for granted just how easy it is to involve Jesus in our everyday lives. Unfortunately, this can be even more so when it comes to moments in our lives of greater significance. In today's message, Pastor Dan will remind you that the Lord wants nothing more than to be involved in every aspect of your life. In his study, you'll learn that no matter how big or small, bringing Jesus into the picture is only one small prayer away. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of John, chapter 2, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. John chapter 2. We're also going to look at Luke chapter 2. We are journeying through the New Testament, verse by verse. We started the Gospel of John, uh, I think, about four Sundays ago. And so we've made it to John chapter 2 this morning. I'm excited about the Gospel of John every week. It's wonderful to uh, get into the Gospel with you. And I look forward to seeing what the Lord has for us each week, and especially in chapter 2 today. Verse 1 says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there was set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to the servants, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that, w- that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. 
And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Well, if you if you remember from a previous study, uh, John wrote this gospel for a very specific purpose. And he told us in chapter 20, verse 31, that he wrote this gospel to show us that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Messiah promised in the Old Testament. And that Jesus is the son of God, meaning he is God in the flesh. And one way that John's gospel shows us that Jesus is the Christ and the son of God is by telling us of seven miracles that Jesus performed during his ministry. So John records seven miracles. He calls those miracles signs, signs. They're signs that point us to the identity of. Of Jesus Christ. And the first of the seven signs is recorded for us in our passage today. Uh, this first sign, this first miracle took place at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. It says again in verse one, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, when we read on the third day, what immediately comes to mind for you? The resurrection, right? So this is a foreshadowing of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection on the third day. And we're told that there is a wedding on the third day. Now, uh, when you read commentaries, uh, they do all kinds of creative math to try to explain what the third day is and how it ties into chapter 1 and which day this is. In Israel, the Jews, even still today, uh, they hold their weddings on the third day of the week. Uh, They hold their weddings on Tuesdays. Uh, And the reason they hold their weddings on the third day of the week is because in the creation account, in Genesis chapter 1, the third day of creation is called good twice. Uh, None of the other days of creation are called good twice. They're only called good once. But the third day of creation is called good twice. And so Jews, even still today in Israel, uh, when they get married, they have their weddings typically on the third day of the week on Tuesdays because God said that day is doubly good, uh, more good than the other days of the week. Uh, when our group was in Israel last year, uh, we we arrived in the country on the third day of the week, on Tuesday. We went to a place called Caesarea Maritima, Caesarea by the Sea, which is this beautiful ancient Roman city there on the shore of the Mediterranean Sea. And while we were there in Caesarea, there was a young couple that it was their wedding day, and they were having their photos taken for their wedding. And the bride, of course, was in her white bridal gown and the husband was in a tuxedo but it was it was the third day of the week it was tuesday when they were having their wedding and so it was just perfectly timed while we were there it was almost like i set it up you know kind of just cue the bride and the groom and here they are and it's tuesday it's the third day of the week that's the day they have their their weddings on the third day of the week and so there's this wedding on the third day by the way the third day of creation 
is when God created the plant life on the earth, including the grapevine, which will be important in a few minutes. And we're told here this wedding was in Cana of Galilee, which is just a small town in the Galilee. It's about halfway between Nazareth and Capernaum. We're told that the mother of Jesus was at the wedding. That's Mary, of course. The name of the groom and the bride are not mentioned in this account. And so here we have this ancient Jewish wedding. And at ancient Jewish weddings in that day, the celebration, what we would call the reception, lasted, get this, for seven days. For seven days, they would celebrate the wedding. Uh, they, you know, the, the family of the groom and the family of the bride would invite extended family into town and friends and neighbors and their, their whole community. They would invite them and, and they would celebrate for seven days. So it was like a week long party and family reunion all rolled into one, which I mean, doesn't that sound pretty amazing to celebrate for a whole week together? Doesn't that sound good? Anyone? <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Unless you're paying for it, then that's not too cool. Uh, but now that the family of the groom, the family of the bride, they were expected to lavishly feed the guests for the entire seven days. Uh, so that's a lot of pressure. You know, as a pastor, I've had the privilege of officiating several weddings and kind of seeing that whole process and there's a lot of pressure on the family with the reception just to provide one meal for the guests at a reception in our culture. Well, back then, they provided seven days worth of food and drink and accommodations for the guests uh, to their wedding. I know, notice in verse 2 that Jesus and his disciples were also invited to this wedding. Now, a wedding is one of the most um, important and significant events in a family. And this family invited Jesus to be there. It's wise to invite Jesus to your wedding. Uh, it's wise to invite Jesus into the significant events in your life and the important events in your family and the milestones. Jesus wants to be invited into our lives. He wants to be part of uh, the important events of our lives. He wants to be involved in our families and the significant moments that we share together as family. And so Jesus accepted the invitation and he went to the wedding. And I think you should note that, that Jesus attended this wedding. He didn't avoid it. Even though there's going to be music there and wine, he still went. He was without sin, don't misunderstand. But he went to this wedding. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Uh, you can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Jesus 
entered into the normal social activities of people. He didn't avoid them. He sanctified them by his presence at this wedding celebration. But what you see here is Jesus engaged the culture. You know, he engaged the culture as light. He brought light there. And he calls us as his disciples to let our light shine in this world and in this culture. And I, I love that he is at this wedding reception. Uh, to me, it's so profound about the nature and character and heart of Jesus that he is at a, a wedding celebration. He is he's God incarnate. He's God in the flesh and he's come down to reveal himself to mankind. Here he is at a, at a wedding reception of all places. Now, I want you to think for a moment about a wedding reception that you've attended. Now, try to picture Jesus there. You know, you, can you picture Jesus sitting at a, a banquet table, right, with his disciples, making small talk with the other people that are seated at the table that you don't know, right? And, you know, your friends with the bride, your friends with the groom, how do you know them? Where are you from? You know what that's like, going to a wedding reception and sitting at a table. Picture Jesus going through the buffet line with everybody else, because that's what you do. Picture Jesus dancing the cha-cha slide, right? Because that's real popular at weddings right now. Maybe not the cha-cha slide. Maybe he'd sit that one out. He is the Messiah. <laughs> but my point is, Jesus is at a wedding reception. And, and he did at that wedding reception whatever they did at wedding receptions back then. Just like we do things We've got these little things that we do at wedding receptions today. Jesus did those things. And again, he's God in the flesh. And he came into this world to dwell among us and reveal himself to mankind. And where does he do that? He does it at a wedding. And he's hanging out with people at a wedding reception, just kind of this ordinary people at an ordinary life event. And I love that. I think that's just so Amazing about him. You know, right now we're in an election season. If you didn't know that, there's an election coming up. And during election season, you always see politicians, you know, going to state fairs and eating a corn dog and going to a barbecue joint or going to a diner and having breakfast with people and trying very hard to look like just a normal, regular Joe, regular person. And it's so phony. But with Jesus, Jesus is the real thing. And here's God incarnate, the creator of everything. Here he is now as a man. And he is really there as a person with regular people doing a very regular thing. You know, he's the shepherd. The shepherd loves his sheep. He's not phony about it. He's not trying to look like he likes regular people, like a politician. He's the shepherd who loves his sheep, and he loves just being with his sheep. And you have this picture of him here just with his sheep at a wedding reception, DJ playing music, you know, that kind of thing, sitting at a table talking to people. It's just such a wonderful picture. Jesus at a reception. Now, Jesus' presence at a wedding puts his stamp of approval 
on the institution of biblical marriage. Jesus honored and elevated marriage by attending this wedding. And and I I point that out because uh, there is a trend in our culture today, especially among younger people, the whippersnappers. There, There is a trend to not get married, to just move in together and live together. But Jesus ordains marriage. And living together, just living together unmarried, that is not God's will. It is not God's will. God does not bless that relationship. He's into, he's into weddings. He's not into that. He, he's into weddings. He honors the marriage relationship. And, and I would say if you're here today and you're living with someone that you're not married to, I would say you need to get married as soon as possible. And by as soon as possible, I mean like the next couple weekends. Or you need to move out as soon as possible and honor God with that relationship, especially if you name the name of Christ, if you claim to be a Christian. Honor God with that relationship. He approves of marriage. In verse 3, it says, And when when they ran out of wine... The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. So they ran out of wine. They miscalculated how much wine they needed for this wedding reception. And they ran out. And from the way that verse 3 reads, it seems like no one at the wedding reception is aware yet that they've run out of wine. They've just, maybe they just ran out of wine. Mary realizes it. Maybe she's helping to serve at this wedding. She realizes they just poured the last drop of wine. They're out of wine. And so she goes to Jesus and says, hey, they, they, they have no wine. And we read that and we might think, okay, well, they ran out of wine. That's unfortunate. That's maybe a little embarrassing, but everyone can just drink water now. It's no, no big deal. Well, it was a big deal. It's a huge deal in that culture. This, I mean, listen, this is potentially disastrous for the groom and for the bride. Uh, culturally at that time, you were expected to provide an overabundance of food and drink for your guests. Uh, Way more than they could ever eat or drink. Uh, You see that in uh, when Jesus feeds the the multitudes, he feeds the 5,000. It says he fed 5,000 men plus women and children. So maybe it's 10 or 15 or 20,000 people that he feeds. And it says they all ate until they were full. The word is glutted. They're stuffed. Everybody ate until they were stuffed. But then what does it say? And there were 12 baskets of food left over. Uh, There's the other feeding where he feeds the multitude. Everybody eats and is stuffed. And there's seven large baskets of food left over. There's an overabundance of food. That's the culture. You, you, You overfeed them. You give them way more than they could ever eat. You go to the Middle East today. You go to Israel today. They give you an absurdly ridiculous amount of food. When you go into a restaurant to eat there more than you could ever eat. Uh, when we were there last time, uh, we went, we were on the Golan Heights uh, and we went into a little restaurant that wasn't expecting us. We just stopped there and our tour guide arranged for us to have lunch there with the owner. When we sat down, they put 16 different foods on the table. And when you would finish a plate of food, they'd, they'd refill it. They'd bring out another one. 16. I know because I count it. 16 plates in front of us on the table. 
And they just kept bringing it out until we stopped eating. That's the culture. It's an overabundance. And here they run out of wine. And to run out of food or drink, especially at a wedding feast, a wedding celebration, uh, that would be a disgrace to the family in that culture. In fact, the families of the groom and the bride would carry a social stigma of shame for the rest of their lives. It would even carry over to their children where you don't want to marry their kids because they're, they're not going to be able to provide at the wedding celebration, and you're going you're gonna to be embarrassed if you marry into that, that family. Uh, it was such a big deal. Listen to this. It was such a big deal that the groom and the bride could be sued by the guests for not providing enough wine to drink. They could be sued. I mean, that's how, that's how big of a deal this is, that now they've run out of wine. So here you have this joyous occasion. It's a wedding. This bride and this groom, they're married. It's the celebration. It's the reception. And this joyous occasion is about to become a disaster for the groom and bride, a disaster that could impact the rest of their lives as husband and wife. And so Mary went to Jesus and says, they just ran out of wine. This is an emergency. This is a crisis. As she goes to Jesus now, back in chapter 1, Jesus began his public ministry as the Messiah. He was baptized by John. He's called disciples to himself. But at this point, he has not done any miracles. He hasn't preached any sermons or anything like that. Uh, so he doesn't have like a big following at this point. But Mary knows who he is, right? And the Holy Spirit appeared to Mary. You know, the, or the angel appeared to, to Mary and told her that, she would conceive a child of the Holy Spirit in her womb and give birth, and he would be the Messiah. So Mary knows that her son, Jesus, is the Messiah. And, and it seems that when she says to him, they have no wine, she's saying, you know, Jesus, this is a great opportunity for you to show everybody that you're the Messiah. This would be the perfect time to reveal to everyone here who you are and do something about the situation and rescue this couple from a lifetime of embarrassment. And look at Jesus' answer in verse 4. He says, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. He asked me how I know and I say Bring sure That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. Thanks for joining Pastor Dan as he continued his verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of 1 John. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so you never miss an edition of this program. Every time we post something new, you'll be notified. We'd love to hear from you, too, and learn how Ring of Truth has impacted your life. Please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Please let us know how we can be praying for you, too. And if God's doing something wonderful, we'd love to rejoice with you. That number again to reach us is 410-491-4592. Do you live in the Baltimore, Washington area? If so... 
You're invited to join us here at Calvary Chapel this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. Find out more at our website. One more time, that's calvaryec.com. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Tune in next time to learn more from the book of 1 John with Pastor Dan, right here on Ring of Truth. I recognize the